Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running another wonderful day in the middle of the country. Well, a little bit overcast, a little rain coming today. It is what it is, and this is the fall temperatures. Phone lines are open for you today on the KMWX Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby at your service. I am driving, cruising down the mighty Mississippi as we head toward your home to make sure things work out just fine for your home, your family, your safety, your health, entertaining, gathering the entire tribe around your home, or are you going to somebody else's house? Uh, 314-436-7900. Phone lines open for you right now. Call in. Let's get going here. We'll get going on phone calls. 314-436-7900. And we've got full hours today. My name is Scott Mosby. I took last weekend off. Thank you to my cohort, Rich Orris, stood in. I hope you enjoyed Rich. He's always knowledgeable and helpful. That's kind of how he's made my gratitude to Rich. And I had a wonderful holiday Thanksgiving travel weekend. Um, traveled on Thanksgiving Day. Pretty much uh, missed all the crowds. Went late and came home late. So anyway, traveling was not what I was worried about. Uh, I was worried about it, but it just turned out to be kind of a non-event. Uh, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday gathering with your family and uh, enjoying the get-together, um, the visiting, the catch-up, uh, family, extended family. Hard to tell at some of these holiday gatherings because we just like to get together with people we care about. Uh, 314-436-7900. Maybe today you can tell me what's working around your house. Gosh, we got everybody together, and I was so pleased to have the powder room just down the hallway, kind of out of the way, but on the way, so all the guests really uh, had a place to go. And also the outside, you know, we were able to spill over kids, grandkids, all those things that work or don't work about your home. Most of it around the old adage that no matter where I invite my guests, they all wind up in my yeah, yeah, kitchen. You heard that. It went off in your mind, too. Well, no big surprise there. Frankly, we've been gathering around foods and fires and, uh, you know, and, and celebrations, if you will, in all sorts. Uh, you know, back when uh, food and hunting, hunting was tough to come by, we were happy just to have food. Uh, now we're happy to get everybody together and share an abundance of food. So 314-436-7900 tells us how that kitchen, uh, powder room, hallway, family room uh, worked or didn't work. Those things are in how people interact. Good architecture, good design, good house flow is all about whether people uh, easily connect, see one another, and exchange their lives, their stories, their visits, all that stuff, uh, or not. Sometimes that wall is in the way, the lights are too much, too little, uh, the windows leak too much, the door just keeps opening, and, and that room never warm. Well, all those things we can talk about, 314-436-7900. Uh, let's get fired up and get started with my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a, a question. Uh, our house is 10 years old, and it's time for me to paint our door trim and doors. Okay. And I'm wanting to know what you would recommend 
and the type of paint to use and what type of uh, roller, whether it should be foam or woven or nap size, things like that. Okay. Uh, ten years ago, I would have given you uh, one answer. Now I'm going to give you another. Um, but they're still the same, an enamel. Well, nowadays when I say enamel, it's a latex enamel. So it's a water cleanup. The issue with a, a oil-based paint is it cures out in about seven days. It, you know, it, it's, it's dry to the touch in a day or two, uh, but it, it will still stick to the frame. So if you're going to paint those doors and you use latex paint latex tapes about 30 days so if you're going to paint that door and you can hang it you can put the doorknob back on you just really don't want to close that door for 30 days and if you do just put a little bumper in between so it stays open otherwise the paint will stick to paint on the jam and on the door panel itself Uh, so uh, enamel pick a good high quality and i'd rather you have that conversation with the paint person that's selling you that paint and have that conversation because this is the right question to ask uh, in a 10 year old home i'm sure that your door is uh, latex painted uh, very few people use oil anymore even in production because uh, it stays wet for a while and it picks up dust in a production setting so that's number one uh, number two no matter what you do to the doors or trim whether it's trim casing doors frame jam any of that uh, the roller is just a paint application device you will back brush with you will back brush with a brush uh, so like a three inch I, I'm I there are two kinds of brushes one is a sash brush which has an angle on the bristles uh, and the other is a straight brush uh, the straight brush is nice for brushing it out uh, my personal favorite is, is that sash brush because I like the sharp angle and the point sometimes I need to get inside on a raised panel door I have to get inside that little V so uh, anyway uh, I would put it on with uh, a uh, three eighths is the right Right answer, half inch puts the material on. You still have to back brush it out. And it depends. Make sure if you're going to use a 3 eighths inch, it'll take you longer. You'll get a better, smoother, clearer application. But, you'll, you know, instead of uh, dipping the roller maybe 12 times a side, you're going to dip it, you know, 16 times a side with a 3 eighths. Uh, so 3 eighths, the smaller nap is typically made for trims. But don't worry about that. The roller really is just an application device. All of your brush out, flow out, evening of the uh, film, the wet film on there gets done with a brush. Okay. Now, do, would I use a foam or a woven roller? Nope. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the foam rollers. Uh, now, keep in mind, it's just a paint uh, delivery device. It's a way to get from the pa- the can into the pan, from the pan okay. onto the roller, onto the the. Um, the door and frankly you're just you know that's just how to get it on the door because if you brush it on you'll have 25 to 50 you know dips into the can you know what i mean so i would probably use somewhere between a three-eighths and a half inch um a uh, fibrous 
made for latex. Don't cheap out on these rollers. If you buy a good roller, uh, even in the three inch, um, for me rolling uh, doors, uh, I will have a three inch, uh, but I'll roll it, believe it or not, with a nine inch standard roller. I'll roll it on. I'll back roll it again with my three inch or four inch, a narrow one to get my thickness about the same. And then I back brush with brushes. Now all the real painters out there have real skills and they're rolling their eyes like, oh, that's too much work. Well, for a neophyte with half of a professional skills, you know, I'm, I use a little more tools and a little more worry in my process. How's that? Okay, so to, to conclude then the conversation, I appreciate it. Use latex enamel. Yep. Use uh, the preferred uh, woven roller, three inch or four inch. Yep. Yeah. And, and then you back brush it with a, what size uh, brush did you say? I like about a three inch. You can, you know, four inches like a house painting brush is just too big. The 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 wider you get the brushes, the fatter the bristle stack is. So I like okay. a I like a good purdy brush. You know, usually it's going to be you know close to twenty dollars. But the the difference between that and and why I'm not a fan of the the rollers. If you get a uh, uh, like a wool roller or something similar in a high-quality roller, you can wash that thing all the time. And here's another trick for you. Um, if When you're finished rolling, uh, wipe off the handle, leave the roller on, put it in a Ziploc bag with a twist tie, and put it in the refrigerator. Okay. So, so don't use anything like a 9-inch roller or anything like that. No. no, no. The problem is you go so fast that you just wind up cleaning up twice. the tw- if, you're, if you're painting, a, you know, if, if you're in production setting where you've got 12 doors leaning up against a wall and you're going to paint them all, maybe I'd use a 9-inch roller. But if I'm going to paint one at a time and go around the house, um, you know, I'm, I'm typically a 4-inch roller guy. Okay. All right. Good deal. And yeah. I don't have to prime the doors or anything like that, just clean them real well and uh, clean them. You need to do a light sanding. Uh, you, surface prep is still very important. So regardless of what the surface type of paint is, you do need to rough up that surface and then wipe it down with a, uh, a solvent. Uh, typically, um, something like with latex, it would just be a damp tack cloth or a cotton cloth. No paper towels, nothing that leaves behind uh, residue. You're basically washing windows, if you will. Okay. All right. Well, great. I appreciate all the information that you shared with me. Yeah. And thank and, uh, you again. Yeah. Remember the refrigerator part because you can have, if you're going to do this over the course of three or four days, uh, frankly, you can uh, take that roller, put it in, you need an airtight bag. So I typically put them in a high quality Ziploc, usually a freezer bag and a twist tie. And I just twist tie it and I just lay it in the fridge and I have to negotiate with my wife for shelf space um, and not the freezer just the fridge and what it does is pretty much holds that paint right where it is it doesn't dry uh when you come back out you untwist it pull it out of the ziploc bag um let it warm up you need to get it back up to room temperature so it needs you know probably five ten minutes to get close and then start brushing it out uh and then start all over so it takes 15 minutes to kind of bring it back but you don't have to clean the brush uh after doing that two or three times then i do advise clean that brush and you know clean it all the way down down four, five, six bristles. My shop teacher from high school taught me that. So you you wash it, you soap it down. 
two to three times minimum, even though you're not getting any more residue out. Uh, and then you rinse it very clearly, and then you spin clean it, if you know what spin cleaning is. Some tools are sold in the paint store for spin cleaning. I typically just roll it between the palms of my hands and move it back and forth like I'm saying, yeah, good job, you know. And it just spins that brush. Uh, these are some of the things I watch in our professional painters at Mosby. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they are saying, Scott, you know, there's a better way to do this. It's like, well, if I had your skills, I would be doing it the better way. I don't. I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Anyway, 314-436-7900. Mike, good luck, my friend. And uh, a good, a well-painted door is a thing of beauty. Uh, leave it alone. Make sure you give it at least a good week before you do any messing with it. 30 days to cure out. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I'll be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We are live and lively in Mike Miller's words. Phone lines open for you. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Up on the phone lines here, we have my friend Mildred. Mildred, good morning. Welcome to Saturday morning, X. How can I help? Good morning to you, Scott. I, yes. I had uh, a couple of questions. Huh? One is... What is the best time? Uh, what is the best, uh, yeah, time of year uh, to call roofing contractors to uh, see about estimates as to replacing um, a roof? And is it since I only have one um, layer of roofing on there, but mm-hmm. I've had a problem with leakage? Should I have it stripped down to the uh, uh, the whole thing stripped down, or can I have uh, uh, you know a second layer put on there? What is the best thing to do? Uh, how old is the house? Uh, the house is uh, built in 1939. 39. The roof is uh, 23 years. It'll be 23 years uh, old. And the shingles is a 25-year uh, shingle that I had on. But yeah. I know with the a leakage and everything that I, I need to have, uh, you know, replaced. Yeah, usually on a single application roof, you can put a second one over it, uh, and they can pull up areas of the roof. So you don't have to pull off the whole roof. If I had five or six leaks on the roof, I've ha- I would have them strip the whole thing. If I have one or two things where I get a little bit of a leak, you know, I'll follow their call where they pull back whatever. Uh, and I'd, I'd ask that question of that roofer because they're going to get up there and walk the roof. Once they start walking around the roof, they kind of bounce up and down. They get a pretty good sense of whether the wood underneath them is solid or soft. And then they mm-hmm. have a sense mm-hmm. where to go. You know, you can tell you know, from the surrounding look, whether it's bad or not. But I wouldn't go wholesale into telling them to pull the roof off. They may come back and say, I recommend tearing the roof off, in which then you ask why and go into all that. Um, okay. But yeah, so I think, and, and frankly, the time of year, uh, you can roof all year round. Uh, you can call them all year round. 
uh, and the best time to avoid, there are only a few months to avoid uh, putting roof shingles on, and that's when it's really, really cold. Uh, so what happens is we have a seal tab, so a three-tab, whether it's an architectural or just a standard three-tab shingle. They have what's called a seal down. They put little daubs of an adhesive on the back of each shingle that at normal temperatures it's not a, a problem well once you nail it down and the sun bakes it for you know a week or a month and even you know you get into march april may those months that the solar temperature of the roof shingles can get very warm uh when it's really cold in january and february it it may take till july sometimes for those shingles if we have a cold winter that goes for a long time what you're talking about when is a good time to put the roof on it's just whenever those seal tabs stick so that you need to get a good hot sunday sunny day uh a bunch in a row to get that shingle temperature hot enough for that uh liquid um glue if you will uh, the seal tabs to stick to one another and then you effectively have one big sheet roof because they each shingle sticks to the one underneath it and when and this is all about wind damage uh, so if you get a big wind 70 80 90 miles an hour you know that uh, sometimes it'll peel shingles off in the winter because they haven't seal tabbed down yet uh, but that's really the only issue with it is uh, and, and personally I just like to avoid really cold um, temperatures uh, because it's really hard as a tradesman to do a good job when your fingers are you know really cold and you just can't feel them so uh, you know I, I we put what about roofs the evaluation around. of the roofing you know as to like you say or the boards uh, are sturdy or whatever um, um, uh, for a reputable roofing company uh, is it good to call one say starting in uh, March yeah, you can call them now, frankly. Um, you know, that's because now what, what happens is um, uh, when the industry slows down, and frankly, we've had so many hailstorms in the Midwest that uh, if you call them now, um, I would say some of the companies will tell you, yeah, the earliest date we can put your shingles on is four months from now because we can't get them. You know, we've already bought shingles for all the jobs we have, but it's a busy, busy industry. And, you know, we have a smaller workforce to install, but also making these shingles. So getting the shingles, it still is a problem in the Midwest. Should I ask in my contract? Because uh, I'm for sure, or I don't know for sure. I'm asking you. Uh, normally, it is not the because of the labor thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how they do as far as contracting out. You know, having a subcontractor, or, uh, but but the guarantee should come from the company, whoever puts whoever they have put on. Correct. Yes, yes. You what you'll find here, Mildred, is that every manufacturer um, has a warranty. And what there and and every manufacturer, good manufacturers are now offering a, a, a certainty. Does um, a, a GAF is a man? What they're looking for is they're looking for roofing companies, installing companies, 
to follow the rules, basically put the roof down right, use their substrate, use their shingle, use their roof edge, use their caps. And for that, and for a small fee, you know, like $150 or $300, something like that, sometimes that the roofer will pay, it extends the warranty to labor and installation, to materials and installation. So um, if they are um, kind of a loyal customer of that manufacturer, and they have, which means they've been to all the training, all their roofers are certified, you know, they know how to put this stuff on. Then the manufacturer, who basically pays the warranty, um, they will extend it and say, well, if you're going to follow the rules and you're going to be a loyal customer, we will pay your customers to install, the, including the labor cost. So you'll find that, you know, the GAF started that, Certainty's doing that. So there are various companies that are offering extended warranties that include labor. Um, so you, you'll find that out when you get into it. And it, it'll all make sense when going through these training. Pro- I've been through many of these roofing training programs because being able to do this show and represent to clients what we're doing I need to know how to put that shingle on, even though I'm not up there hammering, you know, staples and nails. So it, 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 it all makes sense. Um, and you had told me once before earlier uh, this, uh, this year that in uh, in order, if you got tuck pointing on that chimney, it's best yeah. to have that tuck pointing done along with the roofing or someone that works interactive with a tuck pointing company in order to make sure that around the chimney that is tuck pointed correctly. Yes, and yes, then, absolutely. Yeah, they still and, just stands. Yeah, well, How think about, about this. Uh, is there any particular month or, or whatever, you know, as far as they, you know, as far as mortar that is uh, missing that, you know, might be filled in, have to be, you know, kind of ground out and put back in? Is there any particular... Uh, stop on that as far as when it is applied? Uh, It's really around the freezing temperatures, and you'll find that concrete finishers, tuck pointers, uh, it's about when the temperature, so if you've got a red brick house and and the sun is on that brick, the temperature of that brick can be 90 degrees, and the temperature outside could be 30, you know, with the temperature rising in the sun. So, you know, tuck pointers might work uh, not in the morning, they might show up. It looks like they have really funky, you know, work schedules, but it's around the temperature, whether it temps rising or dropping. So uh, in around St. Louis, I've seen tuck pointing and concrete and foundations poured all 12 months because they know how to play these temperatures. And they don't, it, it, they're, if you if you hire a reputable company, they don't want their work to be messed up because then they just have to come back and have higher costs later to come out and do it the second time. And believe you me, I'm going to go for a reputable uh, company because of the factor of the price, and it's coming out of my pocket. The insurance company (laughs) uh, says that, no, we have not hit any, you know, that I didn't have any uh, hail or wind damage. So Mm -hmm. I know I do have a leak because of uh, what I've seen, uh, you know, coming through. Uh, yeah. So I I don't dispute that I'm 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 getting ready to change insurance companies is is uh-huh. my uh, my thing, sure. and so that's the reason why I'm asking these questions. The other the other question I've never asked you, but uh, you might have it uh, addressed before, is the actual flute of the uh, chimney. Now 
my furnace, my main furnace is running through the wall. I have one of those energy yeah. efficient ones where I had the flute uh, uh, going through the wall. But my yeah. hot water uh, uh, tank is still going up the chimney. Is yeah. there any way that I can get the hot water uh, 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 flute, that carbon monoxide going out the uh, side of the wall just like I have the uh, furnace? You betcha. Uh, And and frankly, that's something I recommend because, so think about this, uh, Mildred, as we go through. So you have a furnace that's pumping a whole lot of hot air up your flue. Then you've got this water heater that's pumping a little bit less. It's not as big of a heater. Well, so there's plenty of uprise and temperature going up that flue. So now you buy this more efficient furnace and it, it, it then vents out the side. Sometimes your water heater, your old water heater, doesn't generate enough temperature to really get that flue gas to go up the flue. So it kind of hangs. You see what I mean? You need hot air to rise and go up through that flue. And in the wintertime, you know, everything around it is cold. So frankly, my advice to you would be indeed uh, buy a high efficiency water heater and have and then once they get that high efficiency, they cool the gas off in the flue so much you have to go out the side because it's not hot enough to rise up the chimney in the flue. You, you follow so the a logic? Good, a plumber will know to do that then, to know how to do that, because I yeah. have been told, oh, no, you can't do that and all. And that way I don't have to pick some flute on the inside of the uh, chimney because I don't want to use right. the fireplace anymore, but yeah. I want to just go head on and have everything closed off and blocked off and, and yeah. so forth and so on. Uh, so on as far as the chimney is concerned. You're yes, saying that the hot water heater can be converted to the side, just like can the and, Can and should. Uh, okay. Because then here's another one. So if you don't have a furnace going up there and you don't have a water heater, do you need your chimney at all? Oh, well, no, I be- I'm not better figure that. Unless you, I uh, pay that money to have a flute replaced and all this yeah. other. That's why I yeah. was wondering about the tuck pointing. Yes. Uh, 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 the tuck pointing and that flute would come into place because that's the reason why the uh, uh, I need tuck pointing because of the cracks in this old house and the flute yeah. never been replaced. It has yeah. had a crack in it for the longest. So I know not to use the fireplace. Well, before, yeah, well, if you've got a fireplace there, then you still have to get that flue fixed for that wood-burning fireplace. But uh, if you've got only a water heater going up that flue, then, Mildred, I advise get a get a high-efficiency water heater and, and drain, you know, a flue exhaust it to the side with the PVC, just like your furnace. In other words, I can get the tuck pointing on the outside done, and mm-hmm. later on, if I, I want to, because uh, these are expenses uh, yeah. that are coming out of my pocket. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're saying that the flute can be replaced, but no, it can't be replaced. The flute, the flute has to be replaced before the uh, tuck pointing on the outside, doesn't it? Well, when you tuck point that chimney, uh, mm-hmm. they will ask you what's inside of it, because then it, you know, am I doing a clay pipe that's for a wood-burning fireplace 
or is there something else in there for your hot water heater or furnace? So if they're not asking you those questions, then they're just, you know, putting some mortar in between some bricks. It, this is this is tougher than it sounds. There's some chemistry, dew point. I mean, there's a lot to making this decision. So when you find a plumber talking to you about it or a, and you know charlie brennan advertises for morelli they do a great job uh they'll take you into all this because they don't want to they don't want to kill you frankly if if they don't do this flu tuck pointing and you know have these conversations with you you can wind up with a carbon monoxide mess and that's my that's my point like you say safety yeah. above everything else but Amen. it is a clay because i have had a camera years ago ran up that's why I know that the flute is cracked uh, yeah. in different places, uh, you know, uh, uh, going up to the uh, top of the chimney. That's why I wanted to eliminate all that, uh, yeah. per se. Uh, yep. and, 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 and since the house is, is going to a relatives in case if they want to yeah. uh, uh, one day open up that fireplace, then... That's going to be their problem, I guess, with the uh, fixing of the uh, flute and all flute. the other. But it is a clay uh, flute that we're yep. talking about. And that's, that's the right up. thing for a fireplace. Mm-hmm, yeah. Fireplace and for the, uh, well, there was a lining put in on one side. That's where, yeah. and I forgot which, which part it was put in for. But uh, when I got the new furnace put in, there was a a lining for the chimney, and I don't remember which one it was for. But but like you say, it'll have to be looked into. But I thank you, Scott, for taking all my questions, and I appreciate the service that you give to the St. Louis area because it's needed because uh, when you're talking to the – Talking to a salesperson or somebody that wants to sell you, they'll tell you anything, but you need to have a little bit of knowledge going into anything. And yes, you ma'am. give that to us. You can well, have a great to help. day. All right. Thanks, Mildred. Take care. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Thank you, Mildred. Always a uh, good and uh, intelligent question. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I say this, but, uh, you know, Mildred's kind of proof. Um, we have the smartest listeners in the in the St. Louis area because, frankly, if you're attracted to a show like this, you kind of want to know how things work. Uh, you also tend to invest in, try, you know, getting some level of knowledge to figure out who to call, what kind of an interview to have, and really, you know, what's the magnet? I, when I call somebody, am I talking about a thousand dollar problem or a ten thousand dollar? You know, th- that kind of thing, and that brings comfort of yes, I'm in the position to make a thousand dollar repair, maybe not a ten thousand. You know, so you know what you're getting into when you make that phone call. A 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby here, truly at your service. Uh, and, uh, you know, golly, I'm, I'm getting a, um, you know, I, I just enjoy doing the show and have for 28 years. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby at your service. I'll be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, we're back together, uh, wrapping up the first hour. Phone lines open for you. You can actually call in, ask a question, share answers, products, methods, all the things. Uh, as temperatures go a little bit uh, cooler and we get into the winter, I know do-it-yourselfers, I know we're always taking on some sort of a project because... 
Well, he can. There are not a whole lot of other things we want to do going outside when it gets really, really cold. 314-436-7900, Let's go right back to the phone lines, talk to my buddy Jim. Hey, Jim, Scott Mosby here. Good morning. How can I help you? Hey, Scott. I turned the uh, uh, humidifier on in the furnace today, and I turned the water on, and the pad got moist, and the, uh, it's draining nicely, the residual water. So that all seems to be good. But I noticed the other drain tube is also uh, putting out some water when I run the furnace. And I thought that was the condensation line for the air conditioner. And I was surprised at that. And I'm also wondering if that's related to the freezing of my air conditioner coils in the summertime, which sometimes blocks my vents. Hmm. Um, what kind of a flue? Do you have a white plastic exhaust pipe on that furnace, or does it go up in metal form up the chimney? Uh, it's not a chimney. I, I'm, I could take another look at it. I'm guessing it's the white plastic. Yeah, uh, because what happens, uh, it is very common, and this is the drain. <laughs> Here we go. Hang on. I'm going to really scot this one up, so hang on, brother. Um, when you cool off the flue gas so much... Um, with a high-efficiency furnace. Basically, when you harvest off so much heat into your house, your uh, efficiency goes way up. So maybe you've got an 87% efficient furnace, a 92 What that means is you're only blowing away 8% of heat up the flue. And what happens, as I was kind of talking, uh, getting with Mildred and the previous caller, that as that flue gas goes up a cooling chimney flue it condenses and turns into uh, the water vapor turns into moisture so you get water and then part of that is acid so in a high efficiency furnace you will have a condensate drain in the winter when you're heating your house sounds okay. i do have two pvc vents coming out i'm looking at it now yeah, yeah, that everything's good, but the logic of that is really cool. I mean, this means everything's working right. So, you, when you throw away your flue gas, which is hot stuff, uh, when that exhausts out your house, it is so cold that it's condensing before it even leaves the house. That which, which means you're harvesting off, benefiting your house, and getting all the heat you can get out of that high efficiency furnace. But the uh, the physics of that is that you know it doesn't you know when you're when you're running a seventy percent efficient furnace, you're blowing away so you're blowing away thirty percent heat, and it's just roaring up that flue, you know, inefficiently. But with it, it's moving, it's raising, it's rising because it's very hot and it exhausts easily. Well, when when you take too much heat out of it the way you're supposed to in a high-efficiency furnace, you you can't get that flue gas out the, the house fast enough without it condensing and cooling so much. So that's where your condensate is coming from. Just be aware that if you've got an iron uh, floor drain, uh, it may rust a lot because a byproduct of that is also some sulfuric acid. Yeah, it's very rusty. Well, what about yeah. the? Uh, well, thank you for that answer. That that it's, it eases my mind. What about mm-hmm. the uh, uh, air conditioning coils air con- freezing in the summer and blocking my vents? Now, I, I I do have you know fresh um, air filter, and I've checked my vents. I seem to have good airflow through there. Yeah. 
well, it's not a big deal because you've got, you know, you've got your coil, whether it's a slant coil or an A coil, you have all those little fins inside your furnace. And what happens when it freezes up, instead of operating at 33 degrees or 35 or 42, you know, above temperature, above freezing temperature, when you're low on Freon, it actually cools too much. And in between all those fins inside your furnace, it is becomes ice instead of air moving between those fins and being chilled the air moves between those fins condenses and freezes and it just turns into one block of ice so it's not really blocking your vents it just freezes up the coil so you don't really do any real long-term damage to it but you've got to get it fixed so so i wouldn't worry too much about it i'd be more worried about making sure you have the right amount of refrigerant charge in there so you don't do this over and over and over Okay. Well, it it is actually blocking my vent because we get no air out of the vents when this occurs. Oh, when it freezes? Oh, yeah. Yes. No doubt. Right. Well, you're you're not blocking your vents. You're blocking the whole bloody furnace. It never right, gets exactly. to the vents. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's correct. a big deal. Now, uh, for for maintenance, if you're looking for something to do, um, if you can uh, remove either the hose, if it's a, a spring clamp or a hose clamp, if you can take it off and then kind of fish in there uh, and try and remove, because you'll get scale that falls off, which is mineral deposits that falls off into the pan, and you know then y- you can clean that out, or it plugs up your con- condensate line. Uh, so sometimes. When I get into an, if I have a clear condensate line, I typically just go buy a new one and put a new line on it because it's easier to spend the twenty bucks than it is to mess around with trying to clean out that thing. Right. So you think maybe we're low on freon causing that freezing condition? Yeah. And, oh, definitely so. Yeah, definitely so. It's usually just you're losing freon somewhere. They test it. They evacuate it. And the problem is they have to find that uh, leak. And, and to do that, they've got to evacuate all that refrigerant, hold it in a charge, then pressurize and fix the leak, and then put the uh, refrigerant back in. Otherwise, we're just messing with the environment. So, it, Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your help today. Yeah, make sure you get, uh, and, and early in the season, make sure you call the air conditioner guy, you know, so they come out and check this thing out because it could be a three, four-hour ordeal trying to find where that leak is. Gotcha. I'll do that. Okay, have a good day. Thank you. All right, Jim, thank you so much. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, uh, 314-436-7900, uh, Scott Mosby here, KMOX, at your service. I'll be right back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, back together. Hour one, stay tuned. Hour two coming up after the news, weather, and sports. Top of the hour, one o'clock today after this show is uh, your retirement professionals right here on KMOX. 2.15, the Bilkin basketball. The Bills are playing today. Yeah, oh baby, just something St. Louis about that. You know, when when it's called St. Louis University, it, it kind of feels like home. Whether you know, I'm I'm, an, I'm not an alum, but I am a a big fan of the Billikens. Um, 
all types. So anyway, uh, 314-436-7900 puts together on the phone lines. A little bit of filling in here from the uh, previous questions we've had. Mike called about painting his doors. Uh, Long and the short of it is applying the paint to the door is a roller process or some of the pros use sprays. You know, they will spray the doors and oftentimes with the sprays, they don't back brush them. Uh, The issue there is if you spray a door like a car, it's perfect. Um, and it'll be stunningly beautiful. The issue is that you can't really touch it up with a brush. So when you ding the door, inevitable in use and bumping and closing and, you know, uh, with, you know, getting the chair through and it, bumping it. The point being that that's why I prefer back brushing the trims and the windows and the doors, any, any casing or base, I'd like to see it back brushed because that texture then is the same as what I do when I take a Q-tip and a little bit of paint or a little paintbrush and I back brush and I clean it all up. So the point being that if you're going to paint doors, paint trims, paint casing, for me, um, and, it's, and it's not the best looking, sur- best looking surface, is a sprayed surface, but it's so perfect that you need perfect equipment, spray equipment, to match that on a touch-up. Uh, and then uh, with, uh, so anyway, keep in mind that it gets back brushed however you roll it on. Uh, Mildred called about roofing. Uh, Any time is the time to talk about roofing because, uh, frankly, we've had so many hailstorms in the last year that uh, many of my roofer buddies are just so far behind because, the, you know, they can't get materials. They're, you know, I mean, you take a part of the country, you hit it with three successive hailstorms over six or seven months holy smokes man you just can't get that much material much less labor in to get it done so there'll be a little bit of a weight on the roofing uh also jim's question about a humidifier his humidifier during the winter while he's heating he's getting condensate out of that drain that is normal and customary and actually admirable you want a little bit uh, of condensate coming out of there because it means you're harvesting out all of the heat and using it inside your house and your exhaust flue gas is pretty cool uh, because the only way you can get condensate out of a flue is for condensation to occur Um, and that frankly is why you have these white pvc plastic pipes that go horizontally because a clay pipe as in in mildred's roof uh, or at in mildred's chimney for a fireplace normally it's a clay pipe liner the problem is when you put a high efficiency furnace up there or you put not enough heat in it it will condense that acid that's coming out of jim's a condensate line at the base of his furnace is the same stuff that destroys the clay flue liner in a wood-burning fireplace chimney. So that's why. So when you start playing around uh, with high-efficiency anythings, you know, just like when we started to do super insulation and air sealing and all that, we wound up with all kinds of consequential damages. Well, just be aware. Stay tuned for Hour 2. Scott Mosby here. I'm at your service on KMOX.